I want you to think with me for a moment about what an amazing part of the body that your ear is, the human ear. My first computer was a Commodore 64. Hands up who's heard of a Commodore 64. Oh, more than I thought. The Commodore 64 had what they call 4-bit audio. doesn't matter if you don't understand that, but what it means is that four wires made up the sound, and it was really revolutionary. The sound in the games on the Commodore 64 was fantastic. could make all sorts of different tones with Pac-Man. Then along came CDs, which had 16-bit audio, and this was really good quality sound, 16-bit. And then... Um, years later today, you, you might have heard of Windows Vista 64-bit. The most complicated recording uh, equipment today uses 64-bit audio. So we've got big numbers, see? 4, 16, we're now to 64. The human ear has the equivalent of 30,000-bit audio. There's a bundle going, of nerves going from your ear to your brain, 30,000 of them. Now, at the current rate of technology, which is basically doubling every 10 years, we won't get there for another 100 years. Our computers won't be up to the quality of our ears for another 100 years. They're an amazing part of the body. With our ears, we can work out what direction a sound is coming from to within two degrees. And not only that, we can work out whether it's above us or below us, which is... Very interesting because we only have two ears and they're on this plane. But we can detect above and below by the way the frequencies interact in our outer ear. And we can also work out how far away something is. Whether it's quiet or loud, we can actually still work out how far away it is. It's estimated our brain can recognise up to 400,000 different sounds from our ears instantly. So you might just hear something and straight away you're reminded of an event in the past. Or you might just hear one sound and it raises all sorts of emotions for you. One sound in your ear and it can warn you of danger. I could go on. The ear is an amazing part of the human body. But for all the wonders of the human ear, I think this next one is the most profound fact. With your ear, you can listen to God speak. With your ear, you can listen to a message that will change your future into eternity. And that's what this section of Mark's Gospel is all about. It's about using our ears to listen to Jesus. I could also talk about using our eyes, couldn't I, to read the Word of God. But this passage is about using our ears to listen to Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And in Mark 4, Jesus tells us why listening to him is so important. There's lots of things that we can listen to, isn't there? But Jesus here tells us the importance of listening to him. And to do that, he tells us three parables. And a parable is simply a story with a hidden meaning. So you need to actually think a bit to get them. And the first parable Jesus tells is about the nation of Israel not listening, not using their ears. And you can see on your bulletins, point one, I've called it deaf Israel. Mark chapter four, verse three. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. 
And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus tells a story about a farmer planting seeds. And if that's all we were to read, it's just like a story about a farmer planting seeds. But then he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, listen very carefully. And the reason is is that there's a hidden meaning to the story that Jesus told. But the disciples and those people listening, they don't have what came next that Howard read for us. They're just left with what Jesus has told the story. They know there's more to it, but they don't know what. So when they get back by themselves, they ask Jesus what it's all about. And he basically says the reason that he's talking in riddles, in parables, is that people won't understand. Verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Now that explanation is almost as confusing as the parable, if not more confusing, isn't it? Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah who came 700 years earlier. And it's a famous passage in Isaiah, you might even remember it. God says to Isaiah, who can I send? And Isaiah puts up his hand and says, here I am, Lord, send me. And God says to Isaiah, okay, Isaiah, you can be my messenger to the nation of Israel and here's the message that I'm going to give you. And the message is, go and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Close their eyes, close their ears, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Now that's a very strange message that God tells Isaiah to deliver. I mean, you would think that God's message would be, listen to me, turn back to me so you can be forgiven. But here it's exact opposite. God is saying the message is, don't listen, otherwise you'll be forgiven. That is different to the message of most of the Bible, isn't it? That's because here in Isaiah's day, God's people had already refused to listen to him. He'd warned them and warned them and they had chosen not to listen, so now the time for listening is over in Isaiah's day. God has had enough. It's like that little warning on your credit card that you have to pay it by the due date. And if you don't pay in time, you get hit with a fee. And at that point, it's too late to bargain with the bank. I've tried it. It doesn't work. (laughs) Don't worry about ringing the number. Here in Isaiah, God's warning has run out. And Isaiah is announcing God's judgment. But back to Mark. And Jesus has told a story about a farmer planting seed 
And then Jesus is saying that people will be deaf. Now that's at least enough if you're good at cryptic crosswords to start to work out the puzzle. Maybe the three seeds in Jesus' story that, that don't do anything good, that don't bear fruit, maybe they're like the nation of Israel, not listening. But the disciples don't get it, which is good for us because they don't get it. So Jesus goes on to explain in very simple language what the parable means. I was down at the cricket the other day. I don't know a real lot about cricket, but I enjoy watching it. And the guy next to me was asking lots of questions to the scorers about the rules, which was good for me because I got to learn a lot as I listened in on the conversation and I didn't have to look dumb and ask questions. That's what's happening here. We get to listen in as the dumb disciples ask Jesus to explain the parable. Verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. The word of God, that is. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. See, this story is about people listening to the word of God. And the first soil, the path, are like people who listen to God, but they're not actually listening at all. These are just like the people in Isaiah's day. Their ears are closed. They won't even hear the message. This is like some people in Jesus' day. You might remember a couple of months ago we looked at Mark chapter 2 and the people there did not even stop to consider what, if, what Jesus was saying was true. The Pharisees actually came along on the Sabbath not to listen to him but to look for a reason to kill him. Their ears were closed. And there's people like that today, isn't there? They refuse to even consider anything that you say about God. They don't even want to have a conversation about it. And if you think about it, that's the safest option, isn't it? It is easier to walk away from here this morning if you're not a Christian and ignore everything that you've heard. It's easier than to have God's word to start to put down roots in your life that might mean change. It's far more comfortable to ignore those 30,000 neurons that are carrying the message to your ears and not listen. But there's more to the story, verse 16. There's another kind of soil. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word at once and receive it with joy. But they have, since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. These people, I think, are like the people right back in Mark chapter 1. We read there, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to Jesus, oh sorry, to John, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. See, forgiveness, this sounds great. The kingdom of God is near, I want to be a part of it. And then they see what Jesus is doing and they get all excited about the healings and there's crowds everywhere following Jesus. The seed has sprouted and the green shoots look so promising. But look at the warning back in verse 5. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. 
In other words, it's because these people are shallow that they're responding so positively. They're gullible. They jump on board to following Jesus so quickly without even thinking about it that they jump off just as quickly. As soon as it looks like following Jesus might mean losing something, they give it up. They haven't weighed the cost before they started following Jesus. And so they slip quietly back into the crowd. And by the time Jesus is left dying on a cross for sin, how many of those crowds are left following him? Maybe you know people like that. They started to investigate Jesus and read the Bible and they even got excited about it quickly. But when they realised that it will cost them something, they quietly stop coming along. They try and avoid you. That shouldn't surprise us. That's why Jesus tells us to consider it carefully and count the cost before we follow him. He doesn't want shallow people to follow him. Verse 17, since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. There's a third type of soil though, verse 18. Still others like seed sown among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Nowadays, weeds don't matter so much, do they? You plant the right seed and you apply herbicides at the right time and the crop grows and the weeds die. You might do it on the back lawn, the old weed and feed. But in Jesus' day, there's no herbicides. If the grain, the good grain, was sowed among the weeds, there was no competition. The thorns would grow up and choke the good plant. And the point of this part of the parable is that if you try and put Jesus alongside the worries of this life, it is just a matter of time before the worries of this life will choke the spiritual life out of you. I mean, Judas who was only chosen to follow Jesus to be one of his apostles in chapter 3, would have been here, listening to Jesus tell this parable. But in Judas' life, the thorns won. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Following Jesus isn't just something you can add into your life and it will grow. Other things need to go. And so this story is quite a dark parable, isn't it? It is about the reasons that people don't listen to Jesus. It's about why the nation of Israel will harden their hearts to Jesus' message, like we saw last week where Jesus rejected the nation of Israel. Sorry, in chapter 3. It's just like Isaiah said. God makes people deaf. But come with me back to Isaiah 6, and it would be good to turn it up all the way back to Isaiah. It's just after Psalms. Isaiah 6. It is quite a dark part of the Bible, but there's hope in it. Isaiah 6, and we'll start from verse 10. God tells Isaiah, 
Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull. Close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. There's God's message of judgment. But it's as if this news is too much for poor old Isaiah. So he asks God a question. He says, how long? How long will Israel not listen to God for? It's like if you've ever grounded, uh, grounded your teenager, the big question is, for how long? One week, two weeks, a month? Or when someone's sent to jail, it's the big issue, isn't it? For how long? Ten years? Twenty years? Life? When a footballer is disqualified, for how long? One game? Two games? Three games? Isaiah asks God, for how long will Israel be deaf to God? And the answer's in verse 11. Then I said, for how long, O Lord? And God answers, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and the oak leave stumps when they're cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Again, a kind of cryptic answer. God doesn't give a set time to Isaiah, but he says it will happen after Israel is totally barren. And after that time, there'll be a new seed that, like a stump, will sprout again. It's almost as if God will start again with the nation of Israel. Now, come back with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And I think the time for the new Israel, the time for the, the seed to sprout, is what Jesus is announcing here in Mark chapter 4. Mark 4.21. Jesus said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. What is it that was hidden? What's hidden that Jesus was just talking about is that the word of God was hidden from the nation of Israel. They were deaf to it. What time is it now? It is time for the word of God to come out into the open. It's time to bring the lamp out from under the bed. It's time for the word of God to start bearing fruit again. It's time for the new Israel to sprout from the seed. It's time for the gospel to go out. Verse 20, others like seed sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even a 100 times what was sown. It's time for one person to tell 30 people, 60 people, 100 people. It's time for the message of God's kingdom to go out to the whole world. And in fact, that's what the very next two parables are all about. Verse 26, Jesus also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. 
The seed is the gospel, the message about Jesus. And once this seed is planted, it's unstoppable. The gospel is growing and growing all by itself. All we do is talk about it, don't we? We tell someone about Jesus and their entire life is turned around. Across all the DPC churches in just the past couple of months, seven or more people have become Christians. That's not because we're clever. That's not because we did a particularly flashy presentation of the gospel. It's because the word of God is powerful. We just have to scatter it. Anyone can do that. Some people are deaf to it, but others will listen and be changed by it. And if you have eyes to see, it's the most significant thing that is happening. It's the most significant thing happening at DPC. It's the most significant thing happening in Dubbo. It's the most significant thing happening in Australia. It's the most significant thing happening in the world, people becoming followers of Jesus. Now, sure, it may not look that impressive, inviting someone along to church or inviting them to a shed night or whatever, but it's huge. It's unstoppable. Look at verse 30. Again, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. See, it looks so unimpressive. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Listening to Jesus, it might not look impressive. It might look about as impressive as a mustard seed. But what now looks insignificant will one day be seen to be spectacular. I mean, think about it. Look at us here this morning. There's there's so many other things that we could be doing that could make an impact on the world. But we're sitting here in a building looking at words in a book. Looks pretty ordinary. But if you think about it, a farmer planting seed in a paddock looks pretty ordinary. In fact, if you knew nothing about seeds, just pretend for a moment that you know nothing about farming, that you're just observing a farmer as an outsider. You don't even know that a seed will sprout and grow. It would look pretty stupid, wouldn't it? I mean, taking a handful of good grain throwing it on the ground, what a waste of time. I mean, at best, this farmer's feeding some birds. At worst, he's throwing away good seed. But wait till harvest time. That's the message of the parable. You wait till harvest time, and some of that seed produces 30, 60, 100 times what he planted. Then the farmer's work will be seen for what it was. It's the same with the kingdom of God. What good is Christianity? What good is talking to people about Jesus? What good is coming along to church and hearing the Bible? You wait till harvest time. You wait till Jesus returns and gathers the harvest. Then you'll see. It's huge. Unstoppable. And the key to understanding just how significant it is, is to view it from the perspective of the harvest, which Jesus is encouraging us to do now. But right now, 
We're in the days of planting the seed. So I wonder what kind of soil you are. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Is that you? Here this morning, maybe because you have to be here, but you plan to go out and ignore what you've heard? Jesus would say, listen. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Is that you? Great when it's all new and exciting. But will you stick at it? Others fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Is that you? A Christian, but unproductive. Not producing any fruit because the word of God in your life is being choked out by everything else. The thorns in your life that should have been left behind. The ambition for success. The boyfriend or girlfriend who's not a Christian. The hobby or sport that consumes your life. Whatever it is, they're choking the gospel. They're making you unproductive as a Christian. There's so many things that can choke you, aren't there? So many things to worry about. So many other voices to listen to. If you listen to the other voices, it's no wonder that you worry about things. What you look like. What your house looks like. What you wear. What car you have. What your job is. Your bank balance. What other people think about you. How much superannuation you'll have. If you listen to Better Homes and Gardens or PC World or Financial Review or Donna Hay or Who Magazine or Delicious or Girlfriend or Dolly or People or whatever it is, you'll worry. They're the voice of the weeds. Listen to what they're saying. How to keep the kilos off. Must have Christmas gifts. Home insurance. Are you covered for floods? Treat yourself to a party frock to get you through the silly season. Which perfume will land you a soulmate? Must have apps for your iPhone. 2009 beauty looks. What's your car worth? How to create the perfect face in 10 minutes flat. Do you have the best home loan? How to make your child a star. Make property work for you. Superannuation options. There's plenty of things to worry about there. No wonder we worry. No wonder the thorns choke us and make us unproductive. Now listen to Jesus. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, And the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. What a tragedy to be an unfruitful Christian. 
What a tragedy to be so worried about things around us that we become barren. Let's be people who listen to Jesus. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up. It grew. It produced a crop. Multiplying 30, 60 or even 100 times. Is that what you want to be like? Then listen. Use your ears to listen to Jesus. He who has ears, let him hear. Read your Bible regularly. I mean, you subscribe to the magazine so that you don't miss it. You get the paper every day so that you don't miss it. You watch the news every night so that you don't miss it. You record the TV show that you're going to miss. Read your Bible regularly. Don't miss it. Get here every week. Use the ears that God has given you, those wonderful ears, to listen to Jesus. Jesus says, Blessed are your ears, because they hear. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, your life-giving word that tastes sweeter than honey, that brings life, that's powerful, that's changed our lives. And Father, we pray that we would have ears to listen to it. We pray that we would close our ears to all the other voices telling us what to worry about that we would seek first your kingdom, that we wouldn't worry about tomorrow, but that we'd listen to you. And thank you for the promise that if we listen to you, we'll be blessed, we'll be fruitful. We pray that we would be like that last soil, producing fruit 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. We pray that in doing that, we might bring you great glory on the harvest day when Jesus returns. Amen.